This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the Sanderson, the Bobby Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prude. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Oh, great stuff. Lace him up for some beast talk right now. I'm looking at a It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Hello and welcome into episode 182 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Bridget Crew here with Scott McLaughlin. Brian is, you know, apparently he's too busy for us. I think he's on another date. Um, <laughs> but uh, here we are. We have a special episode for you guys. Uh, no game recently that to react to, but Scott had a one-on-one interview with Jake DeBrusque earlier today. So we want to just talk a little bit about what happened at Bruins practice. Taylor Hall potentially coming back for Thursday's game and just exactly what Jake DeBrus said when he talked to Scott, I thought it was really interesting. Scott, you asked him about the trade request and um, he's gotten really good at answering those questions. I will say he has become really good in his answers to the media. I think um, I have a lot of respect for the way that he answers those kind of questions now because they used to be really tough and, and guys and, and him, And the team kind of didn't want to respond to those kind of questions early on when it first happened. He has been much more open and honest about it now. Um, And I think he feels really comfortable talking about it because of how much time has passed, how well his game has progressed since then. Um, So there were a lot of really good answers. Scott did a good job. Um, Ended it with something somewhat light, but also relevant. Uh, We can get into that. We'll also react to it just after the interview, but Scott, you were at practice today. And I think the main thing from practice was Taylor Hall finally out there um, practicing with Bertuzzi for the first time. And, you know, we're not sure they were kind of cryptic about it, but he could be back for Thursday. Yeah. So he was out of the no contact Jersey. He took practice reps on a regular line on the third line with Coyle and Bertuzzi. And throughout the season, that's the sign that they're about to play in a game. When you are in a regular practice jersey and taking reps on a regular line, oh, and by the way, he gets the center ice stretch at the end of practice. Those have been all the signs that you are about to play your first game. That is what it was with Marchand, with McAvoy, with us when he came back. It's the telltale sign that Montgomery after practice says he's doubtful. Says, you know, still checking boxes. Uh, Hall himself said there's still some conversations to add. He's not really sure. I'll know in the morning. So it depends. Do you, do you want to take Montgomery at his word when he says he's doubtful for Thursday? Or do you look back and remember that Montgomery intentionally lied to us about Marshand when he was ready to return? And then, you know, the next day apologized and said, Oh, I had to kind of do that. Like, I'm sorry. Um, as long as you apologize for it. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see. It's possible he's telling us the truth this time. Mm. But all all the signs were there in practice. I mean, he he wasn't held back. He took contact. Not that there's like a ton of contact in practice, obviously, but there's 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 some bumping. They did some battle drills. Um, 
I my gut feeling is he's gonna Thursday here about people listen to this. It's Thursday morning, so maybe morning skate we find out for sure. But my my gut reaction is he's playing Thursday night. Scott, you broke up a little bit there, but I'm just gonna like say what you just said. Your gut feeling is that he's gonna play Thursday, uh, based on what you saw in practice. I I mean I'm encouraged also by the fact that he practice where he did. Um, I do think that he, I think you don't take into consideration what Montgomery said, because it's a little bit of gamesmanship when he talks about the lineup and, you know, Oh, he might not be ready. Um, we had heard reports. We weren't sure how true they were. And I'm still not sure how true they were. This could be, you know, it's its own separate narrative um, that hall felt like he was ready to come back. So if that was true, um, and he's ready to come back now. It would make sense to get him in on uh, next game on Thursdays against Toronto. And uh, I think it's key to get him back before the end of the regular season, just to see how that line looks with Coyle and Bertuzzi. I, for one, am excited to see it because never in my life did I think I was going to see a line that had Taylor Hall and Tyler Bertuzzi on it at the same time. So I just think it's like, it's intriguing to me how that's going to work. I think there's such like their personalities couldn't be more different. Um, but yet I think that they'll work together. And I think with coil in the middle, I think that it, it should work. Um, maybe right off the bat, maybe it'll take a few games, but um, I'm excited to see it. So I really do hope that Thursday is the day we get to see it for the first time. Yeah, and it's definitely important to get some regular season games in because Hall and Bertuzzi haven't played together. Obviously, Coyle's played plenty with both of them, but separately. It's always been Trent Frederick on the right. And, you know, as I've talked about before, like that's it's a different dynamic if you're Charlie Coyle. You know, having he's almost always had at least one kind of bigger bodied presence who can play like puck protection game and, you know, maybe slow things down, cycle in the off offensive zone like that kind of style and not that Hall and Bertuzzi can't do that but they want to play for the most part they want to play at a little faster pace you know especially Hall wants to play off the rush use his speed to the outside um, Bertuzzi's kind of you know a bit of a go-go-go player he wants to take some chances he isn't you know like good chances he wants to get pucks to the net, he wants to put passes into dangerous areas and isn't always, you know, cycle, cycle, cycle. So there could be some adjustments and some getting used to that uh, for Coyle having two wingers like that and not a Frederick or a Felino. So, yeah, if they can get a few games here down the stretch, then that's going to be pretty important. And when Smith was good, he was a go, go, go kind of player. I know this season has been a little bit different, but like Hall's played alongside Smith, who has had a little bit of that to his game when he was on his game. Um, I also think of Taylor Hall as a good puck protection player. Obviously, he's better when he can play off the rush, but he's got the size and he can protect the puck um, pretty well. I'm, I'm excited to see it as a line. Um, I've been waiting for it ever since they brought Bertuzzi over and it looked like that could be the formation. Um, and not only that, it's important to see how it looks before the playoffs, because maybe if it doesn't look good, you know, you, you have other options to consider. We talked about, 
how you're going to have to bring guys out of the lineup that have earned their spots, like Trent Frederick, where, where is he going to go? Uh, Nick Felino, where is he going to go when he comes back? So you have a lot of options. Uh, this would be plan A for the third line, but uh, you're going to get a chance to see whether or not it looks as good as you think it might. Um, obviously, all those guys on paper are you could argue all those guys are not bottom six players. Like you could argue these are second line guys that you have playing on a third line. And one of the things that we'll hear in the interview with DeBrusque is how important that bottom six is in the playoffs. And and that's something that this team is very aware of. Yeah, for sure. And, and as far as Frederick, you know, he was down on the fourth line at Wednesday's practice with no second Hathaway. And it's like, that's, it's going to be a little different role for him too. Like he's, he's done that before. So it's not like it's a totally new experience for him, but you know, this year he's been in a little bit more of an offensive role and we've seen him had to have a career year offensively. And obviously, you know, the Bruins are going to want him to still score and contribute offensively fourth line, but there's also like that line has an identity as kind of a defensive physical line. And, you know, I do think like at times his, physical game has maybe lacked a little bit when that line is you know playing offensively and cycling he's not have to be as physical in that situations where it's like hey you're you know that line's going to be kind of counted on bring some energy set the tone so you know throw an extra hit or two here and there yeah, I and so I guess that brings us to when the lineup's going to be fully healthy. Um, so we're still waiting on Nick Felino and Derek Forbert to be ready. Uh, timeline, Scott, did you get any update on a timeline at practice today? Nope. Uh, Felino's still in a no-contact jersey, um, so nothing new there. Forbert hasn't started skating yet. Uh, Montgomery said, you know, even like on his own, he hasn't really been on the ice. He's still doing off work stuff. I did see, see Forbert walking around and like he didn't have a brace on or anything. So, did he have um, a limp? which did he uh, have a limp? I didn't notice a limp. I, I mean, I only saw him walking for, I don't know, maybe 20 feet or so. So I only you know, asked I because I only asked because I broke my toe yesterday. And I walked all the way to Fenway with the worst limp. <laughs> and I think I looked like well, a crazy person. So. Yeah. I mean, I would guess that a broken toe do that. I almost called out, but then I was like, ah, it seems a little late to call out. And I just taped my toes together and I walked all the way down. So maybe he's, I mean, maybe he's at a better place than I am right now. <laughs> we never make it through the season without an injury. <laughs> By the way, one one of the things we talked about DeBrus, speaking of like, you know, injuries and battling through and just taping stuff together, like he, he said like in the winter classic, they like put a splint on his finger and had it like taped up because that was the first injury, it was the very first shift. And like threw him back out there and he said he was already on painkillers and so like you know, he didn't really quite feel the second injury as bad as uh mm-hmm. you know, as didn't feel it as bad as it was, he maybe didn't feel it quite right away. So, um, I need the what yeah, are, that, what are pain meds are. Can I have some? <laughs> Cause I couldn't sleep last night. Um, I need, I need the Bruins medical staff over here real quick. Cause my toe is not the color it's supposed to be. 
<laughs> Sorry. I want uh, I want I didn't so I didn't actually break it, but I once badly bruised my toe because uh stupidly I was trying this was when I was younger, but uh I was stupidly trying to hit off a pitching machine while barefoot and <laughs> follow the pitch right off my foot. Oh, Scott. Scott, Scott, Scott. Well, like it, it was like summer, so I was just like, you know, hanging around the pool, hanging around the yard and uh Seven yeah, beers. I didn't in. really, didn't really didn't think, think about it until, me. didn't really think about it until I followed it off and was like, that was really stupid. <laughs> All right. Well, now that you've heard about our current injuries, um, Scott, is there anything else you wanted to go over Bruins practice wise before DeBrusque? And like I said, we'll respond after because I did have some thoughts about some of the things he said. Uh, the last thing from practice, David Krejci was out there in a regular jersey to start, but did not finish practice. Um, hmm. I didn't catch exactly when he left. I noticed he wasn't out there when they did power play drills, and he was not. Uh, um, and Jeremy after that, he's still a little sore and was questionable for Thursday. So we, we kind of had an idea that, you know, when he missed Sunday's game, that there was actually – something semi-legitimate Montgomery City probably wouldn't have been able to play, you know, even beyond just resting him. So seems like he is still dealing with like something a little bit lingering and it's possible that he misses another game, which, you know, that could also shake up the lines. Like, you know, it'd be interesting to see who they mm-hmm. put up there. Um, so that was going to be my next for. question. Yeah. That was going to be my next question because if you want to keep that, Coil line together, like the Hall Coil Bertuzzi if Hall's back. You want to see that for an extended period of time. And, you know, if Krejci's out, you don't have the check line. So you you wonder where the center comes from to replace Krejci um, in that kind of a situation. Um, and, and you know what? It's not – I don't hate the idea of resting Krejci if he needs rest. Like, rest him the rest of the season if that's what he needs. Uh, he's one of the guys that we thought – might need rest at this point in the year anyway. So I don't see any harm in, in keeping him out. Only a few games left. Um, and he's one of the guys who, well, you mentioned this so many times, everybody's aware, didn't have a full NHL season last year. His workload was much different last season. Um, he got up to NHL speed, but there was always a chance that at some point in time he could feel the effects of an NHL season. So um, not necessarily surprising, I think, kind of with him play it safe. Um, you already know what that check line looks like. There's not a lot of upside to keeping him in if he's not a hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. It, it does become interesting to know like who they move up. I would, I would assume it's Zaka moves over to center and then you fill in the wing, but obviously, you know, the two natural choices to be the wing there would be Hall and Bertuzzi, but you want those guys to play together because you only have a few games to do that. So what about Frederick? Interesting. It could be Frederick. It could be Lauco. Like, still have a check line. Move, move Lauco up. And true. That's still check. <laughs> they have so many checks. You could throw anyone there. Yeah. You throw the ball. Jacob's a ball up there. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that is, you know, we, we got a little bit of positive, injury update today with the whole thing. Um, the only thing I wonder is about Forbert, if he's not skating yet, what that timeline really is. Um, Felino is obviously much closer to coming back than Forbert, but, um, you know, obviously if we get that update, 
we will let you know, Scott. Um, yeah. In the past, when we've seen people that haven't yet practiced, how long does it usually take for them to come back? I feel like it's been. I mean, you know, we don't. We're, we're we don't know. Probably. Like until they're actually on the ice, we just don't. Um, but we do. You know, Montgomery fasting. He's not playoffs. So I. I feel like it might not even be game one. Like I could see that mm-hmm. being something towards the middle of the first round. So, um, but yeah, I, I definitely don't expect him in, in the regular season. No, I, I don't either. I'm, I'm wondering about the first round really at this point. Um, so it's concerning, but it's not in that you have other really good penalty killing defensemen. Like we, we mentioned last episode about Brendan Carlo, you also traded for Orlov at the deadline. So you added that depth for, you know, your top six defensemen. You also have Zaboral that you've been working in. So it's one, it's, it's one season, Scott. And I can't remember another season in recent time like this, where you're, you have a defenseman down and you're not going, Oh my God, who are they going to put in there? Like they have options to put. Yeah. I mean, that's why they stack all these defensemen. Like, Going into the year early in the season, we're thinking, oh, they're gonna have to trade a defenseman at some point, right? Like once McAvoy comes back, they have too many. There's Forbert and Riley and Grizzlick, and they signed Anton Strahlman and Jacob Zaboral's here. And it's like, nope, this is why they didn't trade any of them. This is why they then traded for Dmitry Orlov on top of all that. Like they've been burned in the past when they haven't had enough NHL caliber defensemen. And, you know, even still, like, they're still, it, until Forber comes back, they're one injury away from Zaboral or potentially, like, O'Reilly getting called up, um, you know, from someone who playing who hasn't been a regular. So it, it can happen fast. Like, it, it's still, you know, two or three injuries on the back end, and you're like, oh, boy, like, I, I don't know about that bottom pairing. Uh, someone's playing in the top four that, you know, I don't really know if they should be playing those minutes. So the good news for the Bruins, they're deeper than anyone else on defense. Like whatever problems they might have with a couple injuries, other other teams are even thinner. So um, they're still in a really good spot. And obviously with Forbert out, they still have six really good defensemen playing. You hope that when he comes back, everyone else is still healthy. And then you do have easily the deepest decor going yeah exactly my thought is that like you're you're way better off than most other teams in terms of like i know zaboral hasn't played a lot but i think he's serviceable and in a playoff series you're like we've seen what it looks like when he's in and they're they're winning games without you know bergeron Krejci, whatnot and they have zaboral in the lineup they have that the next guy up is really not that huge of a drop-off. He's not he's not a top six guy, but he's not such a big drop-off that you're wondering, you know, is he a liability? Um, obviously, it also depends. Is the guy, like, that gets injured McAvoy? That's a huge difference. Um, but without further ado, we should get to Scott's one-on-one with Jake DeBress. So uh, let me throw it to that. This is what Jake DeBress had to say today. All right, I'm here with Jake DeBress on the Skate Podcast. Jake, I want to start. You guys had a little bit of a kids' cheering section out there for practice today. What, a, what was that like? Yeah, no, that was uh, it was kind of cool. I think uh, Paso went and stretched over there, and they started cheering his name for practice. And then gave a wave, and uh, just shows the support that we always get. I mean, it's one of those things where 
sometimes it's a normal crowd where um, you know people come watch us practice, but then there's other times where you get a school or something like that, and it brings a little more uh, energy, I would say. Going into these last five regular season games, getting ready for the playoffs, just kind of what's your mindset at? How are you feeling? Yeah, I think it's more so just kind of getting the game in order and um, you know trying to win games. Obviously, uh, you know we're solidified where we're going to be, but um, want to have that good feeling going into it. And um, it's one of those things that uh, feeling pretty decent. You know, I think the schedule's been pretty hard on everybody, but uh, you know it's one of those things where uh, I try to take care of myself as best as possible. We've got some big games against some good teams, so it should bring the best out in us. And um, it's one of those things where personally, I'm just uh, trying to kind of get back. I think I've hit a little bit of a wall in a sense, coming back from an injury probably about a couple weeks ago, and then. Uh, it's been kind of up and down since, so I'm trying to look for just consistency here in the last five games. Is that kind of like a physical wall? Or, you know? I think it's also, yeah, I think maybe a little bit, but I think it's also just 82 games. You know, you're going to hit one eventually, and uh, even though I missed around, I don't, well, I don't even know, maybe 20 games or just under that, I think it was, but um, even with that, you know, technically rest time, you're still working out every day. You're still uh, going on the ice, training hard to get back a game shape, so it's one of those things that... I think actually physically my body's handling it pretty well. It's more so just actually the mental fatigue side of things where I think it's just um, with every game, it seems like there's a game the next day or back-to-back, and uh, just trying to stay in the moment's kind of been the biggest challenge. I think for everybody in the league, I think every guy that's had the schedules that we've had or oh, every team's going through it. So it's one of those things that at least you're not uh, the only team. It's just a matter of trying to put together wins. Even with that, you know, that wall or whatever, your production since coming back has still been pretty good. What was your mindset when that injury happened? Because you're having career year, just at the high moment at the Winter Classic. You know, it feels like, like that could have really kind of taken things off the rails and sidetracked you, but how did you kind of make sure that that didn't happen? Yeah, I think, honestly, what you were saying, I think it was an unreal start for me and uh, our team as well, obviously. I think it was one of those things where, um, you know, you never like getting injured, but getting injured on a high of Winter Classic was a different type of feeling. It just makes you want to get back there even more. You know, it makes you want to feel that uh, emotion that, um, you know, it's hard to feel unless you're in a big game or, um, you know, a special event like that. It's more like playoff vibe, I would say. Um, but it reminded me of when I scored against Toronto, and I haven't felt that in a while. So um, it was one of those things that I milked that out for as long as I could. I couldn't really move for the first two weeks, so I think I even said it earlier, but I, I couldn't really do anything. So I was just watching uh, the boys play and, um, you know, seeing them win and have success and, even the games where it was tight or, um, you know, where they're, I probably didn't even lose. But, you know, those games you want to be there even more. When it's one of those, uh, you know, tight games you want to be a difference maker. And um, I think I took my preparation very seriously coming into this season. And I kind of understand my body now. I just want to make sure my speed was there. That was the biggest thing I didn't know. Obviously, it was my first big leg injury or, you know, bone, I guess. So, um, thankfully, I didn't know what that was like. That's why I kept playing. But it's one of those things that... Uh, you know, I'm very thankful that I did and very thankful of how the training staff in here has treated me. Obviously, um, you know, from the you know the weight room to the visitor, the trainers, it's been, I was the only guy injured, so they had all hands on deck, and it was one of those things where they didn't want to rush me back. We didn't need to get rushed, but at the same time, they wanted to make sure I was uh, ready to go, and I thought that it showed my first couple of games. Obviously, I think in my career, coming back from injury, I'm always pretty excited, um, and I usually get one or two pretty quickly, but I think my... Uh, the game's starting to kind of come back around to that. Obviously, you did finish that game, and then you find out, you know, it's broken. <laughs> like, I know young people say, like, fibula non-weight-bearing, but, I mean, were, like, were you surprised to find out it was that serious? Or? Yeah, well, I, I didn't – I uh, I actually hurt my hand, so I hurt this guy right here yeah. in the first shift of the game. So I was already on some pain meds, to be honest with you, and some pretty good ones because I couldn't close my hand. So, um, 
you know, I had a wrap and I had a splint and everything. They did a great job again of making sure they, they, uh, you know, they knew I wasn't coming out. So it was one of those things where uh, I was already kind of just starting to feel the effects from that. It takes a little bit. But uh, at the same time, I knew, it was, I knew it was pretty bad. You know, I knew it was bad. Um, and like you said, it's not weight-bearing, whatever percentage it is, but going out there and skating on it, when I remember what it feels like, it was, uh, it just kept getting worse. It wasn't getting any better. So I knew it wasn't a stinger. And um, there was one shift, I think it was Kretsch got the puck in the neutral zone. I think it was maybe the shift where I scored, where he was flying up the ice and I couldn't catch him. That's why I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> I said that after the game, but it was true. That's literally when I was like, yeah, this is serious. And then the x-ray machine after was... Uh, we didn't really even need to go in there. I knew it was pretty messed up. So um, didn't actually, it was more concerned about my hand. But then once that came back, uh, you know, with MRIs and everything and see how actual serious it was, it was it was close. It was closer, you know, so it was good bouncing away. Didn't need surgery. You referenced, you know, the high of big goals. And I'm assuming that was Toronto playoffs you're talking about. You've had some of those big playoff games. You know, I'm thinking Caroline in the bubble as well, two-goal game. Uh how do you kind of see yourself this time of year as, you know, obviously you want to be a playoff performer and you're on the top line, like just kind of how do you approach this this time of year? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, obviously it's been a lot of talk, especially for us in Bruins Circle, you know, not necessarily on the team, but outside, I would say, because uh, we've had the playoffs locked in for a month and a half. So what else are you going to talk about, I guess, yeah. right? Besides the games going on, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things that I find it's, uh, it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to take everybody in this room. You know, it's one of those things where uh, in all those games I was put in positions where the game was tied or, you know, it was comebacks or different things. So you need a full group to get in those spots. Everyone wants to be a clutch player. Everybody wants to have those goals. Trust me, they're the best. Um, but it's one of those things that uh, you need a lot of things to go right and you need a lot of things to kind of fall into place for those to happen. Um, but I'm excited. I mean, obviously, yes, you know, we switch up our lines sometimes here and there, but our line hasn't really clicked in a little bit as we did at the beginning of the year. I thought we were kind of firing all cylinders. Uh, at the start and now it's kind of you know our, our matchups are um, you know for some reason just tighter it feels like it's this time of year so it's not necessarily as open but um, you know usually the top two lines cancel each other out and then it's the third and fourth lines that winning the series you know that's one thing I was told when I was younger and um, but at the same time uh, I'd love to be uh, you know a consistent contributor that's that's kind of what my role is obviously if I don't have any success it's going to hurt our team what it, you mentioned, you know, the importance of third, fourth lines, depth. What is it like when, you know, you look down the line and you see, like, Taylor Hall getting back out there for a regular practice today, and, you know, it's a third line of him, Charlie Coyle, and Tyler Bertuzzi, you know, guys who could easily be playing in the top six. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's exciting. You know, it's one of those, uh, it's good to see him back out there, even flinging, and, um, you know, Forbes coming back. You know, we got so many bodies uh, for that reason, for depth, for if things were to go wrong, and um, like you said, that line is going to be huge for us in the playoffs. Obviously, uh, every line is, but you know it's going to be everybody's turn. But that's, like you said, it's a top six line on most teams. And at the same time, it pushes us in the top six to play like top six or else uh, you know, our ice time will be gone. So uh, it's not necessarily intimidating, but at the same time, you got to be uh, sharp and uh, make sure you can do anything I can to stay with those two guys. I think at this time last year, you, you had clearly, you were up on the top line. You know, your play had definitely picked up. But there, there were still the questions of, you know, what's the future? There's still, you know, trade requests out there. Like, just how much better do you feel this year at this time, you know, kind of a year removed from all that? Oh, yeah. No, it's completely different. Even from the start of the season, I felt like it was... Uh... Uh, not necessarily a fresh start, but a clean slate. And, um, you know, obviously I love the way that I finished last year. I uh, had lots of help in this room. 
Uh, didn't like how we finished the year, obviously, and left the bitter taste in my mouth and wanted to run it back. And obviously having Berge come back and Kretsch and, um, you know, different things, it was uh, it was an easy decision. I've always loved the city here, and the fans are amazing. And I've always been treated well, even <laughs> even though I threw, you know, a curveball last year or, you know, whatever you want to say, but which I totally understand. But uh, at, at some point it was... You know, you don't necessarily know your future as a hockey player. There's very select few guys that have no trade clauses, just in general. You know, so it's one of those things that uh, you never really know. But just having that all kind of not dealt with is, uh, or dealt with, I guess, is uh, definitely a big pro and uh, made me focus on the year and uh, you know my preparation this summer. Yeah, I think people. It's easy to point to like a coaching change. You know, people say point to that when they talk about you having a better season, but. As I said, like, you know, it did start last year. You did finish strong. Like, what did it take to kind of get back on track for you? Yeah, I think, honestly, there was a lot of uh, – it takes a lot of things to get out of that. You know, I think it's one of those things where, weirdly enough, I think I put myself against back against the wall and uh, realized I had to play, you know, a certain type of way. And you know, it was one of those things where it wasn't necessarily with Marshy and Bergie for, you know, right away after that. It took a little bit of time, but obviously we had some different – you know, line changes, different things going on, but um, those guys helped me out a ton. They pretty much redeemed my career and um, maybe found the joy in the game again. And uh, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, Marsh is pretty hard on me, but uh, it's one of those things where they pushed me to get to, you know, just be better. And anytime that, you know, someone's trying to help you, it's dumb not to listen. So that's what I tell AJ anyway. Always sit beside me. And I give him advice. Sorry. Um, but it's one of those things that I think there's a lot of different things. Like I was saying earlier, you know, Kretsch and, uh, and Bury coming back, but obviously, you know, I was excited to meet Monty. I was excited to uh, see what he could do for this team, and um, you know, obviously, going in a different, different direction there has only worked out great things for us. And I think for him too, it's worked out well in Vegas. You know, he's a good coach, but um, it's one of those things where uh, I came in with a different mindset this year. What has Jim Montgomery done to, to help you? I think he's helped all of us. I think if you look around the room, there's probably. Um, you know, six or seven guys around their career highs. <laughs> Anytime you have that, that's that means everyone's buying in, and that means that everyone's listening to his message and and playing for each other. And that's what every coach would want. And um, it's one of those things that I think he's really personable. You know, he's a guy that communicates easy. He'll chirp you. He'll he'll be honest with you. He kind of has got a mixed bag of, of different ways he kind of uh, does things. But I like his approach to the game. You know, it's one of those things where we've obviously had a great season. It hasn't really been too much to dwell on, but. Uh, at the same time, uh, it's easy to get complacent, and he's trying his best to keep us uh, with our minds focused. You mentioned, you know, you've always loved the city, loved the fans. Were there times that it was tough, just, you know, whether it's being out, around, or even us in the media, or, you know, were the times that that got to you? Um, I mean, not necessarily that I didn't think. You know, I think that uh, after, you know, it got public, obviously, I think I knew it was coming. Um, but at the same time, from media fans, whatever, but... Anytime I walk around Boston, it's always positive stuff. You know, anytime I'm actually in person or going to somewhere in the North End, and um, they love us here. It's one of those things where even when that was going on, there was only support. So, um, you know, just from random people. So it was kind of one of those things where I found it was interesting. You can go on Twitter, you can go and see everything you want that's not good, but then you go outside and go to dinner or something like that, and someone recognizes you and says, good job. You know, it's kind of weird, uh, at least last year, for me to kind of see both sides of it. But... Obviously, there's some tough times. Getting booed at home was not necessarily a bright spot either. I've been booed in Toronto and booed in Boston, but like I said, I was expecting um, a reaction. I knew it wasn't going to be a good one. All right. 
I usually like to end these with non-hockey questions, but this one is actually a little hockey-related. So, what you got? One of the big stories in sports this week has been trash talk, oh. women's basketball national championship game. There was some of it. You know, is it? When does it cross the line to disrespect? You're on a line with one of. <laughs> consistently voted as the best trash talker and the worst trash talker. Like, yeah. He, he wins both. Yeah. Uh, in your mind, what place does trash talk have in hockey and can it cross the line? I think anything can cross the line. I think it depends on the certain person or the, you know, the ra- or parameters it's around. But, uh, you know, usually when it gets pretty intense, it's pretty much just death threats. So I don't really know what beats that. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? But... I think it's definitely got a place in the game. You know, there's a there's lots of talk about fighting and how fighting's coming to the game. I haven't fought in a couple of years, but I think you need that or else guys run around with superstars and take liberties on guys. But at the same time, trash talk kind of gives you gives you a personal edge. You know, I think Mar- Marshy's worse or voted the worst because he's annoying. You know, he's annoying in a sense to some guys. They're like, he's not even a good chirper, but he's still doing that to kind of get himself in the game. And uh, I think it's fun. I think it's fun going to those scrums. I always try to get a listen on what he's saying. And, um, usually I'm coming in there to try to protect but um, he's one of those things where I think yeah the national championship one game's interesting though I don't know I don't know how I feel about that because I look at that and I go I that's gamesmanship that's fair what she did the the first girl and the second girl I get both of them you know if you got if you can if you can give it you got to be able to take it but at the same time you know it's at the end of the game it's at the end of the game of the national championship so that's gotta hurt yeah. So it's almost more, I don't know if that's more badass or if that's more the other way. So I'm, I'm kind of 50s on that, but I kind of like was like looking at the Twitter and people were just losing it. I'm like, oh, God, that app is hilarious to me. But, you know, hey, she was in the game and the girl who won, I don't know their name, sadly, but the girl who won, hey, you can do whatever you want. You're just a national champion, you know. It's one of those things where if I want to stand the cup, I'd probably say some dumb things, too. They need a handshake line, right? Yeah, yeah well, the, things down. Yeah, yeah, they didn't even have a handshake line, did yeah. they? Or did they? I don't, I don't think really think. They I didn't watch the game. They'll do like some like one-off handshakes and stuff. That would be interesting, yeah, because if they had if that happened, then the handshake line happened. That 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 would be popcorn ready, you know. Yeah. Then it'd be either like we're all good, or it'd be even more intense. So, yeah, that's what I'd say on that. All right, thanks a lot, Jake. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. All right, so thank you to Jake DeBrusque for taking the time to talk to Scott today. It's always nice when we get these one-on-ones um, because you got an extended period of time. It's always more casual. It's not like, I don't know. And, and a lot of these guys are really easy to talk to. And I think DeBrusque, you can kind of see that he was able to be more free with some of those answers. In particular, the toughest subject for him to talk about um, that he's probably going to have to answer questions about not just this year, but into the future was the stuff about the trade request. And um, also, Scott, you snuck in a little bit of a question about the coaching change, and he kind of gave a little bit of an – he tries – he does a good job not to throw Cassidy under the bus, though we all know what the speculation is that, um, you know, him and Cassidy maybe didn't get along so great. Um, so what were some of the things that he said to you that maybe you didn't know before or that just expanded on, you know, some important things that – that we've talked about. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, he's obviously talked before about like how important Bergeron and Martian is, but I thought here, like saying that they redeemed his career, like that, That you know, or pretty much redeemed his career. Like that's, I think even further than he, than where he's gone in the past talking about them and, you know, how playing with them and them kind of like taking him under his wing. And, you know, Bergeron's talked about how, Basically, like they just laid out to DeBrusque, like, here's if you're playing on our line, here's what expect, here's what's expected of you. Not just 
during your shifts, but every day at the rink in video sessions. And, you know, it's, it's pretty clear that DeBrusque took that to heart. And like he even said, you know, if um, people are trying to help you and you don't listen, like it's, it's stupid not to. So, uh, and I think it probably helped a lot more coming from those two, you know, I'm sure some of the things Bergeron and Martian told him were probably pretty similar to some of the things Bruce Cassie told him, but maybe wasn't delivered the right way or, or wasn't connecting the right way. Whereas when it comes from Bergeron and Marchand and they're your line mates, like I'm sure that that makes much more of an impact than hearing it from a coach who maybe, you know, doesn't really know exactly what you're going through every single day or, um, you know, or what's going to work with, with you. Yeah. That I, I would say that was something that stood out to me as well. Like redeemed my career. That's not, like a small thing to say that is very significant and it speaks to the respect that he has for them, but also that, that they have for him and the belief they had for him that he could get back on track and that he wasn't going to be a detriment to the team. And, and another thing that he said was that he felt that even though Twitter was kind of nasty to him, uh, he, when he was outside um, and people saw him, they were always very supportive. And he said that it was never a doubt that he wanted to, return to Boston. So I think he's handled it as well as he possibly could have. He said he's been booed in Toronto and he's been booed in Boston. It's true. He did get booed here for a little bit. And still, once again, when I, when I go out and people, you know, find out that I'm a Bruins reporter, the first person they usually ask me about is Jake DeBrusque. How is he? Is he, you know, is he a drama queen? And I'm always like, no, he's not. Like he pulled himself out of a place that wasn't easy to pull himself out of and he had the help of his teammates and I actually really admire how he's been able to get things back on track and I thought he gave you a really good interview um another thing he talked about was the injury so um you know not being able to play for an extended period of time you asked him when he knew he was hurt and he kind of gave you that answer like I was on so many pain meds that I wasn't really sure, but I knew when, when Krejci was faster than me that something was wrong. <laughs> so yeah. I thought that was funny because they they throw that back and forth at each other a lot. Yeah, everyone gives Krejci a hard They give Krejci a hard time about two things, his skating and not shooting. P- Pasternak especially always gives him a hard time about not shooting. Um, so, yeah, that, that, was, that was a pretty funny answer. Um, he said, I didn't even and, and, need to get it x-rayed. I already knew. <laughs> yeah, which, which like, I that part, like, I didn't, you know, like, I didn't know, like, he knew it was that serious, like, already. Because we we knew, like, okay, he ended up in a walking boot by the time we got press conference. And, you know, then you find out. And, like, I kind of just figured that, all right, you know, that's one of those things where it's probably painful. But, you know, then they find out after it's a little more serious and they're, is actually a you know crack in the bone there, um, but yeah, he said like he basically knew during during the game like it just wasn't getting better. And and any hockey player that you know, you know that feeling like if you get hit with a shot and at first it, it feels really bad, and then you skate around a little bit and eventually it gets better. And you know you're gonna have a bruise, but you realize like okay, like I'm all right, I'll get through this. And yeah, for him, it seems like it, it went the opposite way where it was like, he was waiting for that moment where it's like, all right, like it's going to be fine. And, and it just never came. And then next thing you know, he's slower than Krejci. 
<laughs> yeah, which apparently is, you know, obviously <laughs> he's kind of kidding, but also he knows he's faster than crazy. So, um, yeah, the, the term he used was it wasn't just a stinger, right? It's not something you just yeah, shake yeah. off. And I found out that my injury from yesterday to my foot is not just a stinger. But <laughs> uh, anyway, another uh, key topic that you talked to him about was the playoffs and, you know, kind of how the injury factors into how he's going to want to finish out the season. Um, we talked about rest for some people. He kind of alluded to the fact that because of the injury, he feels like maintenance maybe would be the best way to put it is important for him in this time of year. Yeah. I think that the key word he said was consistency because he felt like he feels like he had like a little bit of a wall and has been a little bit inconsistent and, you know, and, and I asked like, is that a physical thing? And he kind of said, no, like it's more mental. So I think that's kind of just the, the grind of the season type of thing kicking in, um, you know, especially for a team that doesn't have a ton of play ton to play for night to night. I think you've probably seen that with a few guys here and there, honestly. And sometimes even, the whole team has kind of hit, you know, a little bit of a skid. Um, but yeah, so I think, I think he's probably just looking to like, doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, exploding for three goals in these last five games, but he just wants to feel like he's playing consistently and that he doesn't get to the playoffs and like, you know, have to flip a switch. Like he wants to have kind of some upward momentum already going. And so I guess, if you don't have any other thoughts about what DeBrusque said, um, which uh, you're going to be putting up an article based on um, some of the things he talked about tomorrow. So look at, look for that um, should be up right around the same time that this goes up. Um, is there anything else you expect for Toronto goaltending matchups? Um, what Toronto is going to be putting out on the ice, anything else you want to go over? Uh, it's, it sounds like Ryan O'Reilly is going to return for Toronto. He's been out injured. Um, but I think he broke his finger. Uh, but the reports from out of Toronto's practice on Wednesday is that he's back and he's playing Thursday in Boston. So, you know, you might actually see these teams both at relatively close to full strength. And, you know, I don't, it'll be interesting to see, like, are, are they going out? You know, are they both treating it like a big game or are they, you know, because Bruins are locked into first and Toronto's locked into second. Are they, you know, maybe taking it a little easy, leaving something in the tank, not quite showing the other everything that they have. So that'll be interesting. Cause I, I almost could see it being a game where like, maybe it starts a little slow and there's a little bit of feeling out, but then something happens and kind of ramps up and like by the midway point of the second period, it has a little bit of a playoff feel and there's, some intensity to it. So we'll see. I think it's going to be an interesting game though, to see how that plays out. Yeah. And, and I mentioned this on the last podcast, the next two games Thursday against Toronto and Saturday against New Jersey are theoretically the harder of the last five matchups for the Bruins. They need three more wins in order to break that uh, regular season win record. So, and then they finish out against Philadelphia the Washington Capitals and Montreal at Montreal, that last game of the season on the 13th, which hopefully I will be up in Montreal for, but um, we will see about that. Um, any other thoughts? 
no, I don't Goal think so. no, nothing. Okay. Um, so we will be recording again after the Toronto game on Thursday night. So look for that up on Friday morning. But uh, I guess that wraps up this discussion. Thank you to Jake DeBrus once again. Um, and tune in again after Toronto. <laughs> Thank you.